This episode of the Power Connect podcast is brought to you by RBN Energy's 2022 Export Con Conference held at the Marriott Marquis in Houston, Texas, September 26th and the 27th. Our day, or the American Renewable Energy Day, really stepped things up for me in terms of understanding more of the solutions and understanding how dire the situation is on a whole nother level. Welcome into the Power Connect Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Davis. Episode 33 of the program happening today. And welcome to the program. Taking a little different tack today as we welcome one Miss Aria McKenna, longtime actress who got into the climate activist space just because, well, uh, it was her calling and she wanted to do more to help the planet. And as a young girl, she wanted to do two things in life. She wanted to be an actress and she wanted to stop pollution. And now she is doing exactly both of those things. And so we're going to get to a little bit about what she's doing on the activism front, as well as how she's affecting change with her projects in the green television and entertainment space. It's like I said, it's something we haven't really done before here on the Power Connect, and we had an absolutely fantastic conversation. We've got a lot of outtakes, too, that we're going to give you uh, on one of our Saturday-Sunday specials as well, so stay tuned for that. But before we do that, as always, make sure you check out I'll be hosting the ExportCon conference September 26th and 27th over at the Marriott Marquis here in Houston as part of the RBN Energy Conference. I'm excited about it. David Brazil and his father, Mr. Rusty Brazil, absolute legends in the business and do an absolutely tremendous job talking about how U.S. exports of LNG, oil, gas, you name it, how they're affecting the rest of the world and how this shapes up for the rest of 2022. So uh, go to the website, rbnenergy.com. Click on the ExportCon conference page, register today, and if you want 10% off, type in POWER10 as the promo code, POWER10 as the promo code, get 10% off, hurry up and do it, and again, we'll see you on September 26th and September 27th. All right, let's get down to today's show, Miss Aria McKenna. She's got a project, becomingthechange.us, becomingthechange.us, that's the website, it's on greentv.com, and again, it's bringing together thought leaders from across the climate and environmental and energy space and of course she's got a brand new episode that's out she's working on episode two as we speak uh, and of course you can go check that out again over at becomingthechange.us and as well as greentv.com and again just the number of organizations that she's with and we touched on her acting career and why the change and how those two have affected each other more importantly and I was just curious about it how does it stack up her newest role in promoting environmental change and how that compares to being an actress. So great conversation. And again, we're going to have another outtake episode coming up with Miss Aria McKenna. So definitely go check it out. A lot of good stuff there. But without further ado, please welcome to the program, Miss Aria McKenna. You know, honestly, I feel like it kind of started as a as a kid. Like that was the first time that I really built my relationship with nature and feeling that sense of like solace and connectivity to it. We had a creek that ran through the back of our house. I'd run around barefoot in the woods all the time. And I grew up in Florida and I grew up in the water and swimming around and never wanting to get out of the water and just feeling very much like that was uh, my groundedness in, in the world. And so I remember at an early age learning that the canals in Miami were becoming polluted. And I was thinking, 
at like the age of four or five, I remember was the first time I was thinking, oh my God, that's horrible. What do you mean? What about those ducks? What about all those animals inside there? What's going to happen to them? And being so concerned, you know, very early on. But I always knew that I wanted to be an actress from that age as well. So I was just on my trajectory. It wasn't like as a kid, I decided, oh, I'm going to, you know, this is going to be my cause and this is what I'm going to do with my life. It was just that those uh, initial pain points began, I think, way back then. I had uh, been an actress in L.A. for about seven years Then I went through Florida, did some regional theater, and I was getting ready to go to New York City. And part of the reason I wanted to go to New York instead of going back to L.A. is because of transportation. I was getting tired of having to drive my car everywhere and feeling like I was becoming so much a part of the problem. And I didn't want to do that. I I felt like a hypocrite having to drive my car to auditions So up in New York City, I wouldn't have to do that. There's a great public transportation system. So that was definitely part of my motivation for where I was going to pursue my career next. But I got to New York City September, right before September 11th. So that was my welcome to New York was in the midst of this chaos that really started then. And I got closer with a friend of mine, an ex-boyfriend, and I had reunited when I got to the city. And I became pregnant with my daughter, Phoenix. And the reality of the world that we live in and a sense of responsibility for what that world was going to look like for her really started to crystallize. And So there were, you know, tons of events that happened after that that really started to make my desire to have a positive impact in the world more, you know, I I hate to say important because creativity is so important to me. It's a part of who I am. But I felt very much like, okay, do I want to continue my life as an actress and an artist or should I go green, join Greenpeace or something like that? Because I would walk my daughter to nursery school when she was just a few years old. And the fumes from the cars, we'd, we'd walk under the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. And the fumes from the cars would come down on us. And I could barely breathe. I could barely make it to drop her off at school. You know, I'm asthmatic. These things affect me very much. So I I experienced a lot of physical effects from all of that, you know, so that was part of my motivation. And then being able to see over and over again, these hurricanes, the way they've impacted my family, Hurricane Sandy up in New York, you know, everything once again went to a standstill after that. You know, there have been hurricanes that have hit St. Augustine where my, where my family is, Uh, several times, you know, I've had friends who've lost homes. It's just very real. So you're thinking about Greenpeace, but at the same time, when did kind of the light bulb kind of go off for you to say, okay, well, look, I can still maintain my creativity and still follow the path that I've always been on that I love and that's my passion, but then combine it with this mission. Where did that aha moment come? 
Honestly, I had an idea for putting together a website that would help connect people to green solutions and whatnot. So I was kind of working on that, learning a little bit about business, trying to do that on the side while raising my kid and auditioning and still pursuing my life as an actor. And at some point in time, and I can't remember exactly when and where this aha moment came from, but what really started this trajectory was me realizing that storytelling is so important. And so I got an idea for a uh, TV series called Revolution Earth. And my first idea, I knew I wanted a love triangle And, you know, so I had a particular idea about what that story was supposed to look like. And I knew that I wanted to dig in and and create a story that showed how many environmental activists on the ground are fighting for the future. And really portray them as heroes, which I really do believe so many people in this space, that's the way I see so many of the people that I've met along the way. You know, there are so many people sacrificing so much of themselves along the way. So I wanted to tell a story about that. And I I, uh, I did a crowdfunder to help raise some support for the idea. And Jeff Abagov reached out to me. So it was like friend of friend of friend. People were responding to the idea and said, here, yeah, I'll I'll support. And some of the support came from, oh, let me introduce you to this person. Oh, let me tell so-and-so about this, because I think this is really interesting. They might be interested. So I uh, got a message from Jeff Abagov. Uh, on Facebook one day while I was having this crowdfunder and I looked him up. I was like, who, who is this person? He, he says he wants to help me. He's a, he says he can write and what, what does he do? And I looked him up on IMDb and the list of his accomplishments was so long. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. So I reached out to him and we began a series of conversations Uh, about the issues and about the story and about the idea and about the way I wanted to connect the story to the solutions and all of this. And um, so one day he said, okay, I'm like, well, how do you want to be involved? How do you want to help? And he said, I want to partner with you 50-50 on this. And I was pretty floored <laughs> at first. Now, real quick, real quick, just to back up. Uh, uh, so were you looking to do a series? Was it going to be a movie? Like kind of what were you thinking about when you, when you talk about Revolution Earth? So it's like, how did you see this thing playing out? And then what was what was Jeff's? Uh, was he a producer, writer? So what was his what was his background? Jeff, he's a executive producer, writer. Uh, he's also done some directing. Uh, you know, so producer. So he uh, can do the whole kit and caboodle. He's got a Golden Globe, uh, People's Choice Award. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm sure I'm missing some. So of this the ain't Jeff's first rodeo. So when Jeff, when you get a when you Not get a call from rodeo. Jeff, you this dude's serious. Yeah, uh, Two and a Half Men. He was an executive producer on Two and a Half Men, uh, writer on Cheers, 
uh, Golden Girls, Roseanne. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, so Jeff's got some pelts on the wall. He's 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 got some pelts, you know, some experience. De- definitely a different kind of genre too than what I was really looking for. Because for Revolution Earth, I wanted it to be, uh, you know, a traumatic, exciting, steamy love triangle. And I was envisioning it as a web series. Okay. So not using network television, doing something more independent that would go on YouTube, but get some success at the right. time it was just becoming popular. It was before all the streamers started really joining the okay. whole online streaming realm. So they were kind of short episodes, but dramatic with some cliffhanger at the end. So that was the concept. And so we started writing together and created our storyline and uh, for for this series called Revolution Earth. So that was that was the beginning of that. It's still in development stage, and I am really, really excited about the stage that it's in right now and the uh, further conversations that that I will be having. While Revolution Earth, you're working on it now. It's got, obviously, I got to believe that, like I said, things are things are in motion as far as that goes. But I got to believe that once you kind of saw the wheels get to turning on that, then you thought, okay, Maybe we put this project on the back burner, but at the same time, all right, now I think I found what I'm this this is now my kind of my new alleyway of how we're going to attack this. So I'll say basically what happened is Revolution Earth opened the door for me for diving into this realm. Because I didn't know, you know, nearly as much about all of these issues back then. And I had to research. I had to become, if I'm going to write about these things, I'm going to write about activists. I need to become an activist. I need to know activists. I need to be working with them. So that opened the door to me getting way more involved. I studied with Al Gore. Climate Reality Project became a part of that, you know, the project Climate Reality Project Leadership Corps um, did some, you know, some things with the Sierra Club, other types of activist organizations in those beginning stages. And I lobbied with Citizens Climate Lobby, American Sustainable Business Council. Then I got involved with American Renewable Energy Day for three years in a row. And You know, I've gotten education along the way quite a bit through all these groups, all these organizations, et cetera. But I feel like our day or the American Renewable Energy Day really stepped things up for me in terms of understanding more of the solutions and understanding how dire the situation is on a whole nother level because it's a gathering, you know, each each our day happens it's probably about five days i think is the the entire thing something you know so about a week and every single day is completely packed with experts in their fields giving presentations and then you get to have conversations with them on the side and see how all of these things connect yeah um so that was humongous for me and along the way i had met somebody else uh, who was inspired very similarly to me. And so I had Revolution Earth on the side and and really wanted to get 
more support for it and figure out how to do that. Uh, but meanwhile, things were escalating. And it takes a while to produce a project like that. And it doesn't take as long to have conversations with people, record those conversations and get them out there so that people can hear them and, and participate. So that helped me to evolve into, okay, well, really, maybe what I really need to be doing is doing a more talk show format. And at this point in time, I had amassed uh, some really beautiful groups and organizations and, and people working on various levels of the solutions. I helped co-found a Healthy Planet Action Coalition during the pandemic, which is specifically focused on a three-pronged approach to restoring our climate. So we have more ambitious goals than the Paris Climate Accord because more ambitious goals are absolutely necessary. The Paris Climate Accord is, you know, once again, it's it's a great start. It's a great start. People finally came to the table and said, okay, let's do something. But that something, you know, they they didn't adequately reach those goals quickly enough. And honestly, I think largely because of our dependence on natural gas, we're seeing that things are happening more quickly than they had anticipated. What you know, the front-end warming is crucial. If you've got more front-end warming, which natural gas is so strong on the front end in terms of the impact, that's going to release more feedback loops. You've got front-end warming, and then that's releasing permafrost in, in the polar regions. That permafrost is more methane going out into the atmosphere. That's more feedback loops. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So, so through those people and and connections, it's really enabled me to have a deeper understanding, to open up these conversations, to hopefully help others to have a deeper understanding, and to forward some some solutions that I believe would be far more impactful and give us a greater chance at actually being able to turn this around. Some of the ways you've opened up those conversations, obviously you mentioned doing the, uh, you know, as far as uh, talk show hosting, green TV, and then of course you started your own production company, Global Cooling Productions. Uh, a little bit about green, and then I know you're doing a podcast as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, how has that, and, and I guess my, you know, and, and I'll have you talk, you know, tell us a little bit about those things and kind of what they're, you know, I mean, obviously it kind of dovetails, obviously what you've been talking about. Has that been enough? And I know you still do some acting as well. Have, have the endeavors you've undertaken, whether it's been the green TV, whether it's been the green cooling product, or excuse me, global uh, cooling productions, as well as, you know, all the organizations and groups you're, you're involved with, has that been enough to scratch the actress-ing itch? Not totally, no. Yeah. It's 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 an excellent question. I mean, I grew up not only just wanting to to act, but but also dancing. Um, I feel like there's a it's that that creative muse that is important and that what I love about acting 
is um, it gives you license to be my full emotional self, which which I really am. You know, I'm a very sensitive person. And, and so in acting, you find a strength in that sensitivity. And there's such an embracing of humanity. And the other thing I love when it comes to character work is that kind of respect for everybody's differences and that we're all these complicated human beings who, um, you know, no one's perfect. We're all, we all have our own struggle that other people may not fully understand, but to try to offer that struggle up so that other people can have more empathy for other people who are not exactly like them, you know, just deepen their understanding and compassion for other humans is something that I find really beautiful and and profound and helped to give me strength and feel like I could stand in who I am. So that that is lovely. And I feel like for some time, to be perfectly frank, that has been missing as I have tried to become better at business and understand the the depths and the weight of the climate crisis and the technologies and the you know legal uh you know solutions policy etc you know more brainy and i you know i love that too like i it is it is important for me to feel like i have been able to nurture that and there's always been a part of me that wanted more creativity because as an actor, you're taking somebody else's lines. Mm-hmm. You're making those your own. You have your own journey with that. But it may not be attached to uh, a message that you think is important to put out into the world. And so that's what I was finding is I was finally getting some success in television, for instance, which... You know, I had done some films and then I thought, oh, I really want to do television next. That was that was really important to me. And I started to get some TV roles. But then I was looking at what the roles were and what the impact of those productions were. And that's not the impact that I wanted to have in the world. That wasn't what is important in terms of my you know, like I said, the impact, and I, I hate to use the word legacy, but I guess that's probably <laughs> probably has to do with it. So, so I I had always also wanted to learn more about producing and how to make something happen that is more completely my own, where I'm not just a, a part of it, but I, I'm really helping to create it. So that's been the the trade off. So you're doing global cooling productions. Have you kind of found that outlet then? Is that and, and I'm guessing maybe by by combining green TV and global excuse me global cooling productions, those two together is that kind of your way to, you know, and and I mean you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the 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 policy, the legalities, the you know the minutia of everything that you have to read up on and how everything gets affected. Which again, all important information, but. It's a necessary evil, right? It, and it, and it's more just straight. Like this is what it is. There's not a lot of emotion into it. It's just boom. That's what it is. So have you, has has Green TV and Global Cooling Productions been that way of being able to kind of again for you combine what you're trying to do? 
and tie it all in together and still kind of play to that muse a little bit. I, I feel like that's what I have to bring to the discussion is to have these discussions that pull in the policy, those kind of heady pieces, the deeper understanding of where we're at, what needs to be done, but to have them in a more compassionate way that hopefully actually helps bring people together where there can be an emotional connection to these conversations, which I hope helps open it up to a wider audience and make people care. The society that we're living in doesn't really encourage that. We've got these short little sound bites of entertainment people are getting all the time and they just jump from this to, to that, to this, to that, and it's all escapism. So much of it is escapism. Or if you turn on the news, it's doom and gloom and people are terrible and this side sucks and that side sucks and we're we're all going to hell. And then there's also Becoming the Change, which is the uh, the content series that I am. Yeah, I, I did my pilot episode and I'm currently developing our next episode as well. So the pilot episode was the Emergency Arctic Response Roundtable where I have five amazing guests all working on different pieces of the puzzle, things that would solve, help restore sea ice, technologies that help to cool and can handle, uh, you know, preventing drought type situations in particular locations, people working on regenerating sea life while also sequestering carbon and creating fertilizer to uh, help offset the need for industrial agriculture and to regenerate our soils. Uh, and and uh, Peter Fikowski as well, who you had on the show, uh, focused on climate restoration. So we had Peter Fikowski, Brian Von Herzen from Climate Foundation, Leslie Field, who has an amazing, uh, she's got, she's the Arctic Ice Project and, and she's got an amazing technology to restore sea ice. And uh, Stephen Salter, who is uh, working on marine cloud brightening to also help cool specific local areas where they need the most protection, um, okay. but all using very natural uh, sources, uh, things like ocean water to help cool. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Um, yeah. So uh, so that was the first episode. You can go to becomingthechange.us. So becoming the change us. So that's where I am, uh, you know, placing content for becoming the change. Okay. And uh, you can sign up to be notified for for the next next event that I host. So that's so that's that, and that gives me a chance to bring in some film content, you know, combined with music, combined with very grounded but but compassionate conversations with change makers who are you know working to restore the climate so that was i'm in partnership with green tv on that okay and so they they also have it hosted on on their site but i'll go ahead and and they're on greentv.com you can go to greentv.com and uh, my friend betsy rosenberg is also a, a co-founder with John Lake on on Green TV, okay. and uh, her and I have been working together for the past several years with this green dream of creating more more media content to to engage 
and, and move people towards solutions. Thank you so much for that, Miss Ari McKenna. You can catch all of the Power Connect episodes over at Apple Podcast, Spotify, as well as the website, thepowerconnect.net. Uh, leave us a five-star rating. Helps with the algorithm. And we ask that you listen to the entire podcast. And like I said, we try to keep them short, punchy, and to the point. And so that way you get the most bang for your buck. And I think you guys, like I said, if you enjoyed what you heard today, you'll certainly enjoy what's coming up next. we got Daniel Ressler from Utility API, Don Wright from Unico talking EVs, uh, Mike Iman from Origin Services, and an episode I'm also very excited about uh, Mr. Hawk Dunlap, global firefighter. He's been putting out well fires from across the world for the last 25 years. He was also the wheelman for the Sarah Stogner campaign. Tremendous, tremendous story about how a guy from Texas became a global firefighter. So looking forward to that. And of course, my man's got stories for days. Thank you guys, as always, for listening to the podcast, the audience, the guest. Everybody, without you doing what you do, we couldn't do what we do. This has been the Power Connect Podcast, connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time. Wake up, all the builders, time to build a new land. I know we could do it if we all lend a hand. The only thing we have to do.